was it bad? What was it like working with him, working with her? You'll hear all the tales you wish you knew. Every aspect of the theater too. Feel your love of Broadway anew. On backstage babble. Hi. This is Charles Kirsch, and welcome to Backstage Babble. Backstage Babble is a podcast interviewing professionals in the theater industry about themselves, their careers, and the people they've worked with along the way. And today, I am so glad to be joined by one of Broadway's most in-demand director-choreographers, Joanne M. Hunter. In part one of our interview, we focus on Joanne's previous career as a Broadway dancer, including her appearances in the tours of West Side Story and Cats, in Call Me Madam at Encores, and on Broadway in Jerome Robbins' Broadway, Shogun, Miss Saigon, Guys and Dolls, Damn Yankees, How to Succeed, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, Chicago, Steel Pier, Kiss Me Kate, Thou Shalt Not, and Thoroughly Modern Millie. So now, without further ado, Joanne M. Hunter. I want to first ask you how you first got interested in theater. Oh my gosh, okay. Well, I was one of those, now, you know what, you're going to recall my memory. When I, I, I was one of those young people, probably not much like yourself, um, that, you know, just loved theater and, and uh, but I don't know if I really understood what it was, Charles, actually, but I used to, when I was a little girl, I watched old movies. Don't ask me why, but I did. I watched the black and whites. I watched every Fred Astaire movie I could possibly get a hold of anytime it was on, on television, any Shirley Temple movie. She was usually on on Sunday afternoons around three o'clock. Um, Judy Garland. Uh, all of those like iconic um, people in the in the black and white era of television, you know, and I I I was drawn to it. I don't know why I was drawn to it. I wasn't dancing yet either. And then when I was ten, I think it was ten, ten or eleven. I can't. I think fifth grade, whatever whatever age that is. My mother asked me if I wanted to take ballet class, and I. I was, I was a gymnast. I wasn't a fabulous gymnast. I was an okay gymnast, but that was, but I loved it because it was athletic and I'm, I'm, I'm a, I, I tend to be a very active, I like to be physical, you know? So I guess she saw that or, and, and I knew that my mother loved dance. She loved the art form. She always wanted to dance. She never could. She grew up in a poor family. It was just not, wasn't going to happen for her. So she asked if I wanted to take a ballet, take ballet class. And I thought, yeah, you know, why, why not? I didn't really know what ballet was. I mean, I knew gymnastics, but I didn't, I wasn't that savvy in the arts in that world. Right. Even though I knew dance, but I didn't necessarily like ballet. Oh yeah. Like, you know, Swan Lake. Okay. And um, I started taking with a wonderful, wonderful teacher named Nancy DeChico, Nancy Lefebvre DeChico, um, and and I loved it. You know, I was ter- I was a chunky monkey, by the way, when I was when I was in elementary school. I was a, I was a little I was a little on the round. Well, actually, it's a square side. My dance teacher said my midsection looked like a, a rectangle. <laughs> So, and uh, I, I just, I, I loved it. I took one class a week. That was it, you know. And then the following year, she invited me to take um, a, a second ballet class a week. And if I did that, she would, she would also give me a tap class for free. So I 
know, my mother was like, well, yeah, two ballet classes is better than one, just once a week. And then that grew to different forms. And I started taking, you know, jazz class and lyrical jazz and acrobatics and, um, and just loving it. And I, I love being at the studio so much more than I love being home. And then I, then I really started watching, you know, the, the movies, those movies, I fell in love with even more because now I understood dance a little bit. And, um, and then I was in, gosh, I'm going to say 10th grade, where 10th grade or 11th grade, a tour, a national tour of a chorus line came through my city uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, and a national tour of dancing. Is that right? Yes, came through. And I, I thought, oh, oh my God, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to, I love to dance. I love to perform, but I love that there was more, there was, um, I love that there was more story in it, not just dancing steps. And um, even though my teacher never always believed that you had to have some type of subtext when you danced. So I was taught that at an early age, you know, but, but to see it on stage in the context of a, of a show that I didn't really understand the concept, I, I was enamored and, and, um, and, and that's when I decided I want to do this and moved to New York City between my junior and senior year of high school and never went back. <laughs> so did you always want to know, did, sorry, did you always know that you wanted to move to New York City and then what made you finally do it? I think I, I knew. So after I saw those shows, then um, I, well, why, did, why did we go to New York? We came to New York. Oh, I received a scholarship. I received a scholarship with, um, I had two scholarships that I was gonna, I was, I won or received between, one was with Gus Giordano in Chicago and the other one was Chuck Kelly in New York City. And at that time in the eighties, Chuck Kelly was the, one of the teachers to take class with in the city. It was Chuck Kelly, Phil Black, Frank Hatchett. Like they, they were like, the premier like jazz teachers to study with. And so I had a scholarship. So I thought, you know what? I, I, I wanna go to New York, not Chicago. I didn't even know anything about Chicago. Don't ask me why I chose New York. I, I mean, why I didn't choose Chicago. I just knew that, well, New York was closer to Rhode Island. So I knew it was like a three hour road trip, you know? And, and uh, I got to New York City and fell in love with it. I thought, oh, this is, this is where I need to be. Um, and I, after my scholarship was over, that was between my junior and senior year of high school, I said to my mother, I said, I am going to stay. Oh. So I, I looked for an apartment um, or it was actually a, basically a residential hotel that I stayed in. And um, yeah, I just, I felt, I, I felt in place in New York. In when I grew up, I grew up in Rhode Island and I'm of a mixed breed, right? So I'm half Japanese, half Irish Scottish descent, my father is. Um, and I never really felt like I was part of anything in Rhode Island except for dance. When I was in dance class, dance school, I felt uninhibited. I felt I was, I felt like I was part of something, but in, in my regular life, I didn't, I always felt outside. I didn't feel like I fit, fit in. We're in New York city, everyone's outside. <laughs> so in terms, everyone fits in, you know what I mean? And I think 
that just seeing the different types of people, the different walks of life, you know, from the rich to the poor, to the middle class, to no matter what color you were, what you wore, you just everything. I just thought, oh, well, it doesn't matter. We all can cohabitate here. And I, I think that was a, one of the big things that drew me to New York City and why I thought, oh, this, I feel at home here as opposed to back where my real home was. So um, that's kind of, that's basically why I, I, I decided to stay. Once I was here, I went, oh, I got the bug. I got the bug and just love the, I love the energy. I love the excitement of it. Yeah. So were you training in singing and acting as well early on or? It's fun. No, I didn't know that we had to sing, God forbid, you know, but I did. It's so funny. It's so funny, Charles. I, I always sang and my dance teacher one time heard me singing. I just sang with the radio on, on, in the car. I just thought everyone does that. You know, I didn't know that, know that some people are tone dancing just, it's just the way they were born. I, I was like, doesn't everybody sing? And when she heard me sing, she said to her husband, listen to her sing. And I just started singing. I sang, I sang a Diana Ross tune. I, I loved um, Diana Ross and, and the Supremes. And the next thing I knew, my last recital uh, with my dance school, my teacher wanted to have set uh, the Cassie solo on me from a chorus line. Oh. And she brought in um, a, a guest teacher from from Massachusetts uh, who came who would come in Laura Klein's her name and she did she was on the national tour of course line she played um she played she played she played Morales but she I, I think she understudied Cassie so she came in and set the number on me and I sang I sang the Cassie I sang music in the mirror and I remember my teacher saying you you have to you can this is what you can do. And uh, there was a vocal teacher who came in who was a friend of my teachers and said, you have to start training. You have, you have a voice. And I thought, you have to train? I mean, I was so naive, Charles. I had, I said, wait a minute, I have to take singing lessons? That, I don't understand, I'm just singing. You know, I, I was so green and naive. So I, when I came to New York, the only song that I was interested in singing was the theme to the Poseidon Adventure. And that was my audition song. And I just had the sheet music that I got from, I think it was Colony Records. And I knew the song. So I just thought, I know the song because I would sing it to the radio. And um, I remember my, one of my first auditions where I had to sing. They said, do you have music? I said, I had one song. That was it. Like, he goes, do you sing it in this key? And I thought to myself, I don't know what that means. What, key, what is the key? I said, and I, I, I was like this. I said, yes. I didn't know what he meant. And uh, I don't remember if it was too high or too low, but I said, so, so uh, that's how I discovered that you have to do more than just dance. And I, what I discovered is that I loved it. And then I started studying acting class when I was here and I just loved it. And I just loved the whole package because every other element of the performing arts of what you do just will enhance what your, let's say your main love is. So I think acting enhances my dancing, my dancing enha enhanced my acting. My dance definitely enhanced my singing and my singing enhanced my dancing because I realized, oh, I had, I had so much more parts of my body to tell story with. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, it does. It does. So I want to ask you about your audition for one of the first things you did, which was the West Side Story tour. Yes. So that, oh my gosh, you've done your homework. So that, well, so 
that was, oh, I wanted that job so desperately. One, just because who doesn't love West Side Story, right? And I had never seen a live production of it. I have only seen the movie, right? With George Karras and, um, and Rita Moreno and, and Natalie Wood. And um, I, I, rem I had a couple, I had two callbacks. And it was, Jerry wasn't there, Jerome Robbins wasn't there, um, but Tommy Abbott, who was putting the, who was kind of his right-hand man, who was also in the movie, was putting the show together, along with Ruth Mitchell, who was putting the show together for Hal Prince. Um, and I think it was Hal Prince, or was it Jerry? Did Jerry? Jerry. So anyway, and um, so I auditioned for the two of them, and I had two callbacks, and I did not get the show. Did not get it at first. And one of my friends and neighbors who lived next down the street from me when we lived up in Washington Heights, Anne-Marie Gerard was her name. She got it. And apparently the first week of rehearsal, some some girl um, was was let go. Oh. I don't know why. Uh, and I have no idea who, who this person was, but she recommended me. She goes, you have to bring, you have to bring her in. You have to bring this girl in name is Joanne Hunter. And they said, oh yeah, she did audition for us. So I came in, re-auditioned uh, one, that morning. Uh, I was hired on the spot. They said, can you start rehearsal after lunch? I, I think I auditioned at probably on their lunch break because I started working that day. And I had no, I, I was like, I didn't bring, I brought my rehearsal skirt and some shoes of course, but I also had on, I used to wear, I know this is going to sound ridiculous, and I'm just remembering this. I used to wear men's boxer shorts under, <laughs> for like, as opposed to, you know, like over my um, leotard and tight. Sometimes I wear men's boxer shorts. Why, you ask? I have no idea. But that's what I had with me. And I remember I was like, I'm wearing men's shorts underneath my rehearsal skirt that's whatever so that's I got the job um because my good friend this Anne-Marie recommended me that they bring me in and they only brought in I think there was, were only three of us three women who were auditioning for this spot and and I got that job and that was my first professional job yeah so what was it like to be touring the country with this at the age oh my god well for, okay so first of all it was it was brilliant you know I was like working I was working I was making an, a living and not temping which was amazing and you know and and working with some the cast was so we had a great cast but Jerry came in the last three weeks of rehearsal and tech so to be able to work with Jerry Robbins was the most thrilling thing we opened in uh, Kennedy Center in New York I mean and um, DC but we closed there also because there was some type of, and I do I was so, another time I was so green, Charles, but there was something, the producer didn't post the bond for the show. And I believe what you have to do is you have to post bonds. So if something happens, there's enough money that they can pay everybody. And so equity, our union, the actors union actually closed the show because oh. producers had not done all of their due diligence. And so it was, heartbreak so we opened there and our we closed there it was heartbreaking I remember being on the bus back to the city I was so sad and so depressed I went oh my god one it was a you know doing West Side Story two working uh, my first job and all of a sudden it was it was over because of some 
a technical thing that I didn't even understand. I was like, but but we were selling out. We were we were supposed to tour the country and come back to New York City. That was that was the trajectory of this tour. It was going to be the next revival, and it never happened. Oh, it tore me up. I was so sad. <laughs> I forgot that. Oh, I was so sad. <laughs> I do want to ask about some of the other cast, including Rex Smith. I know was yes. I Rex I loved Rex. He was so he was so sweet. I remember him. He I would watch him from the wings. He worked so hard. He wanted that job and I remember closing night he cried. He was so sad. Um he was great and Leilani Jones was our Anita. She was fantastic. She was great. She was a little spitfire. I really like Leilani and Catherine Buffalo was our Maria. Go oh, glorious sounding voice. Glorious glorious sounding. It was a great great cast including including everyone everyone all the jets all the sharks it was all the adults they were it was a really brilliant brilliant cast and sad and i've worked with rex twice now that was the first time i worked in the second time i worked with him i was an associate choreographer uh, on a show that he was he was he's a sweet sweet man i don't know where he is these days but he worked his butt off i have to say that you know what i mean whether whether you believed he was the right for the role or not um but he worked I watched him rehearse and practice and he was he was in it and I just you have to respect that you know yeah, yeah. I, I really like Rex a lot yeah so I also want to ask you about touring with cats which I believe you are also in yes oh that so that was my next big gig so that and that one didn't close <laughs> that was oh I loved you know and that was in the 80s for dancer that was a show you wanted to get in because it was a dance show, right? It was almost all dance. And um, I, I just remember I auditioned. So Charles, I auditioned for that show. I'm going to say easily, easily five times. Oh, easily. And it could be more like eight, somewhere around there. But every time I auditioned for the show, I got typed out, which we don't do anymore. It's basically they put you in a line and they will they they'll either say step forward and do a double pirouette to the right or left or both depending on that's it that's all you do or you just stand there and they look at your your being and they okay we're the following people step forward everyone else thank you i got typed out oh. every single time i auditioned for the show and then i got a phone call from uh, vinnie liff who was part of johnson liff casting uh, and Johnson Lift Zerman casting back in the day. And also they were one of the premier casting agents. It was Johnson Lift Zerman and, and uh, Hughes Moss. They were like theater casters. They were the, they were it. And Vinnie Lift called me and said, I want you to come in where there's a new tour, new, a brand new company going out. will be the it was the third production the second national tour so the first one was a sit down in LA and then there was a, a one that opened in Boston was a tour so we were the third tour to go out the third so uh, we were called the Cats 3 tour and um and I remember I said oh I said Vinny I was like I, I don't think I don't think the shows I'm ever going to get the show I I keep getting typed out like I, I they don't I don't seem to fit the mold I didn't know what you know I just I thought I don't I don't me getting cast they never they never let me dance and he goes no you're, we're bringing you in so I said okay and I danced 
And I remember singing for Stanley Lebowski. Oh my gosh, Charles. So it was on stage. It was not at the Winter Garden. It was a different theater. I felt like it was on the east side of Broadway that I auditioned at, but it was on the on a stage. And so I got I got through the dance call. I got kept, and I remember singing my song. I was singing. Um, 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 oh God, it was it's from Ain't Misbehaving. It's how long has this been going on? Is that oh. me? And no, no, the oh no, oh, God, I can't even remember. It's, no, it's no. I was singing "Keeping Out of Mischief." Now that's for me, right? So I um, I remember singing the song, and I finished, and then. Stanley Lebowski said to me, all right, Joanne, she goes, can you take that ending and take it up? And I still, I'm like this, I don't really know what that means. I said, okay, so the, the piano goes, take it up. You know, I don't even remember, she said, boom. Oh, so he wants me to end on a higher note, boom. And he kept doing that, okay, let's go it up, up. So I kept doing that. And then I got called back to dance one more time and I had to dance for um, T. Michael Reed, who basically was Jillian's right-hand man. He put the, all the companies together back then. He's no longer with us, he passed away of AIDS in the 80s. Um, oh, I loved him. And uh, he put us through the ring and we danced it. And then I had to do the, I had a devil play. I remember standing in the middle of the floor. We had a, we had a devil play, right leg, turn arabesque down. Devil play left, turn arabesque down. Just all of us. And that was it. And then I think the next day or two, I get a call from Vinny goes, you got the show and you're going to be Victoria. And I was like, what? I couldn't believe it. So, and then I, and then touring, it was, you know, it was magnificent to be able to see the country that we live in and get paid for it. I mean, what more can you ask for, right? You get to, you get to travel and you get paid to do that. And uh, your only responsibility was to do your show at night and stay out of trouble, hopefully. And uh, it was great. I was, um, I was not the youngest in the cast. I think it was about the third youngest, but it also we had a great company and I'm still, I'm still friends with a few people in that company. Um, and we actually get together every once in a while and have a little reunion, but um, yeah, it was, it was, it was fantastic. And the show was so successful, Charles. I mean, it, everywhere we went, we, we sold it out. That, that tour apparently made more money than any tour at the time. Uh, people, uh, just like if they found out you were in Cats, it's like what? Yeah, it was. It was you. You were a rock star, even though no one had nobody had any idea what you looked like because you were in cat makeup, right? So nobody knew what you looked like. But yeah, it was. It was. It's a. It's a lovely feeling to, to be in a show that, um, it, that has that type of accolade to it. You know what I mean? And uh, so that was great. I was with that show for about a year and three months or so. Yeah. It was great. It was a great experience. I'll, I would, I wouldn't trade that for anything. I met great people. Yeah, it was great. So people say a lot of different things about this, but what is it like to be a cat in Cats? Because I know. <laughs> what is it like? Well, you know, it's funny. Oh gosh. Um, the I'll, I'll just start this. The first, the first day of rehearsal, we literally had every after after lunch for like so the first two or three days of rehearsal, we literally had to crawl around and like just and interact with each other without any words, but on our hands and knees for the most part or low and emulate that. Uh, and you know, it was so funny. He was like, hi, hi, nice to meet you. And now I'm gonna smell your butt or what? <laughs> it was really funny. But I mean, when you're, I, I don't think of myself, when I was doing cats, I didn't think of myself, I was pretending to be a cat. I think I, I was, 
what you were what you try to do is emulate this uh, sinewy type of movement that you see with cats. But I, I mean, I, I I loved it. I loved it because one one I, I get I was able to be the white cat, which which I just I was thrilled about. Two, I just um I love moving. I love I don't care if I was on my hands and knees or what, but I love the idea of constantly moving. So I never really thought about that I, I was playing a cat, but I definitely wanted to make sure that um, I didn't I didn't come across as a human being, so to speak. You know, I wanted to have I wanted to have those sinewy movements that could emulate what what the audience hope would use their imagination and, and see, oh, a cat as, as opposed to a human being. So, but I, I, I loved it. I loved, you know, I was young. I could be on my hands and knees forever. I had no ailments, you know? So it was, I, I mean, it was, I, I loved it. And, you know, every once in a while you would watch a cat or something and you just, oh, I see, see what they do. And you try to emulate them, but it was more about, it was more about, to me, it was more movement. It was more dance. You know, emulating those movements are more dance to me than they are cat-like, or maybe cats are more dance for the lack of you know, because they're they're so elegant, they're so elegant creatures, aloof but elegant. <laughs> so I want to ask you about your first Broadway show, which was Jerome Robbins Broadway. So what was it like to audition for Jerome Robbins? Oh my God! Well, that was so. Uh, I, I've told this story before. So my first audition back then, they were doing three days of what were called open calls. It was a Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So I went the first day. I didn't, it was not an agent submission. I went to the open call. I danced all morning from 10 to two. I got kept. They said, come back, go take lunch. Went to take lunch, come back. Okay, I went to take lunch. I remember calling on a payphone, calling my agent saying, I, I'm, I've gotten kept, I'm still here, so I have to go back after lunch. Great, let us keep us informed. Uh, we did every style of dance we did. We did everything. And I remember there was maybe at the end of the day, and this is 5.30, 5, 5 or 5.30, it was all day long. And at the end of the day, I remember I was, it was at 890 Broadway and I was stretching, had my leg up in the bar in the back of the room, stretching and all the, all the, you know, the big shots that were at the front of the room at the table, including Jer Jerry and all his dance captains and casting and everyone was there, Jay Binder. And I remember I was stretching and all of a sudden I hear my name, Joanne, can you come here? And I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> so I came close to the table and I see Jerry looking at my resume and he said, and he looked up at me, he said, Joanne, he said, where did you do, West, who did you do West Side Story with? And I looked at him and I said, you? <laughs> and, and everyone at the table looked at him and they started chicken. And I did, I wasn't trying to be fresh or sassy. I, I just, I said, you, and then, and then I could see everyone looking at him and I said, well, you came in the last three weeks when we were in, uh, in rehearsal and then we went to tech and he goes, oh, he started laughing. But I thought, oh my God, did I just, did I just blow it? Uh, he was very lovely. He said, thank you. And um, we, I think maybe we danced a little bit more. It was all day. I left. Um, I called, pay phone again, called my agent, said I just finished and felt good. And they, at that time, they got another call from our, from the general management, Abby, Abby, Abby. Oh my God, what's her name? Abby. She's part of the GM. Oh, I can't remember her name. She called and said, tell Joanne 
uh, that if she gets another job, she needs to let us know, but she's going to get an offer. So I got an offer the same day I auditioned for Jerome Robbins Broadway. It was amazing. And um, so that's, that was my audition. I, I only had to do one day, but it was all day. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember I had to sing for Paul Gimignani, who I just love and adore and was petrified. And I think I sang that same song because I had one song in my repertoire back then. And uh, yeah, that was, it was thrilling. It was thrilling. I was so lucky, so lucky. And I also want to ask what it was like to be in rehearsal with him for six months, I think. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. <laughs> well, first we did, I did in the spring, summer of, that was 88, um, I did what was called Skeleton Crew. So he would call anywhere between six and 10 of us or maybe 15 dancers in that were hired. And we would work on um, some of the numbers that they, he was trying to recreate, right? With, and he would bring in people from his past to try to remember, and we would do that. And that was heaven, Charles. It was working one-on-one -on -one with him or in a small group. And I remember working on the Maria stuff, the pas de deux. Uh, from West Side Story, and he would just—he would always do this with his hand. He would—he would caress my face, and just—he wouldn't say anything. He would just look at me. It was so interesting, and I think—and I've—I say this, to people. I think I reminded him of someone in his life that he liked. <laughs> Thank goodness, because he was always so great with me. I, I did not get the, the bad part of Jerry Robbins. I, I witnessed it with other people. I was lucky enough, but he, I think there was something about me that reminded him of somebody in his, in his life or it, that was part of his life that was good. So that, so we did Skeleton Crew for, you know, about a month or so. Then we started rehearsal in the, in the fall. Is that right? And you're right. We had, oh, six months. It was the longest rehearsal process ever and you know back then like now when we people schedule rehearsal when i schedule rehearsal you try to schedule so people are not sitting around okay i don't need them don't call them till noon but back then you were called 10 to 6 you're getting paid for 10 to 6 you come from 10 to 6. we actually got paid more because we actually had to be there at 9 30 or 9 15 because it was a mandatory ballet class we had to take because he's from the ballet world. So we had to be at rehearsal and we had to take a ballet bar every day before rehearsal. It was mandatory uh, and you, everyone had to be there. And there were three separate rooms going on, three separate classes going on. And um, I remember in the, 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 the room that were the, the actor singers who moved, they, Jerry Mitchell was their dance captain. He, he's one of our dance captains and he did aerobics with them. It was great. They were lucky. They got, we had, I had ballet class with Victor and, um, and Cynthia Rubiach at the other ballet class. So that was, it was great, but oh my God, it was hard every single day. And we rehearsed, it was, like I said, it was great, but it was, um, you had to be on your toes all the time, Charles, because any second, Jerome would say, okay, uh, you're out, you come do that number. It happened to me. I, I remember we were doing um, high, um, the Charleston from Billion Dollar Baby. And I was, I was not one of the original trio of women. 
I was at, I was in the back, but you had to make sure you had to learn everything. You had to make sure you knew everything, whether you were in it or not. And all of a sudden I hear Joanne, you're like this, come here. And this, this other actress, you go sit down. He said to her, sit down, Joanne, you're, you're in this now. No rehearsal. You go, oh, okay. And all he gives you is an and, not five, six, seven, eight, and go. And I thought, and I was the least. It was the three of us. I was the first person. I had to lead the girls. I went, oh shit, excuse my language. And and it was frightening. But and so every day in rehearsal, you were you were pretty much always afraid you were gonna get fired. <laughs> so that's not necessarily a great thing. But at the same time, it does keep you on your toes. It keeps you forward. It keeps you paying attention. You never sit back and relax. I think that's how you should be all the time. You know what I mean? But, you, you know, without the threat of being fired or could be. But back then, it was, it's different. You know, today, it's very different. You, were, you had to be on your toes. And any minute, Jerry could say, no, you're no longer featured in that. Out, someone else. It happens. It happens all the time it was it was scary and it was sad i mean i was grateful that i got put in this but i felt horrible for the girl who got taken out yeah. you know but uh it was i i mean the the knowledge that he has and you know he's he's to me the best storyteller there was and is to this day and i'm beyond grateful and so lucky that i got to work with jerry twice as hard as it was as hard as six months of rehearsal eight weeks of previews it was torturous but <laughs> but we made it through and it was a great success so yeah so you were also understudying two roles in Jerome Robbins Broadway so did you get to go on for those two a lot or I did I was originally so could you have I can't believe you know that okay amazing um I was originally um the understudy to the angel in what in king and i and to maria then i i ended up being like a matinee maria because our maria alexi has was still because she was from the ballet world i think she also had, she had to be in company class or something so she couldn't do the matinee so i was the maria matinee maria and then i understudied the angel but irene cho was the angel irene left she gave her notice opening night um because she, I think she went on to do something else. So they, I then moved to the angel. No, I, yes, I moved to the angel and then understudied Susan Kikuchi and had to do, oh, that. So I had, I went out for that. That part was so, oh my gosh. So nerve wracking to climb. You had to climb what we call climb the mountain. It was two guys on their hands and knees and one guy in the middle and you had to climb without looking. Every time I'd go on, I would go, can we do rehearse that before the show? Because it was, it was, I know it seems like, oh, it's so easy. It was so nerve wracking. But um, yeah, so and I, I was, I was able, like I said, I, Marie, I went, I was on all the time and I, I did go on for her um, several times, which was great. And, but doing, I also loved doing the angel with Susie Kikuchi. It was just, she was brilliant. And her mom, Yuriko was the one who set uh, King and I, and oh, uh, was, it was, she was beautiful, brilliant woman. So yeah, I was very lucky. Yeah. And I do want to ask you what you remember about some of the other original people who came in to help him stage. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm trying to think, I don't know. If, I remember um, Leonard Bernstein, Bernstein was in, came into rehearsal one day. I was like this, oh my God, oh my God. Oh my God. And he was standing next to Paul Gemignani. I was like, are you kidding me? 
Claudette Colbert, you don't know who that is, but she was a she was a brilliant movie actress. And it's so funny. The night before she came to rehearsal, I don't know. I think she was just friends with him. She, I, I happened to watch on TV, television. It happened, I think it's called, it happened one night. And she was, she's in this movie. It's a very famous movie because they shared a bed. And I think the story is that you had, the actress had to keep one foot on the floor because back in those days it was very risque to, you know, they normally had two beds. Uh, and, and she, I remember she was hitchhiking in the movie. She like pulled up her skirt and tried to, you know, to get a car to stop. And the next day, in walks Claudette Cabrera went, oh, I, I was like, I just watched her in this fabulous black and white movie. That was amazing. Uh, Nanette Fabre came in one time. Um, of course, um, um, uh, the, oh my God, the writers, I can't think of their names. Husband and wife team. Oh my gosh. Condon and Green. Oh, thank you. See? Came in. Oh yeah, it was it was just a, a room full. And again, Charles, I was so great. There was some of these people I had no idea who they were. I was I, I was so naive. I mean, when I tell you I I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. I just walked in with an empty plate and just I was like just wanted to fill it up. And um, but but I do remember there were some, and then there were some actors and dancers who I didn't know. I don't. They were not like in the famous for a lack of a better word. You know yeah. that. That helped would help Jerry, uh, you know. Oh no, I think this is what we did. No, this is what we did, you know, just to kind of remember certain things. But but those were I uh, Bernstein coming, Bernstein coming in, and and Claudette Colbert. I remember, oh, like it was yesterday because it was, it was, you couldn't believe it. I'm mean, first of all, you're in the room every single day with Jerome Robbins, every single day, like to the point where it becomes. Oh, you know, so, oh yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, we're wrestling with Jerry. But now I think about it, it was like, I was in the room with Jerome Robbins. Like that was a huge thing. And you forget after a while, you know? So actually you reminding me of this, it, it's, it makes me appreciate it even more. So thank you for that. So I want to ask you also about some of the other cast members like Jason Alexander and Faith Prince and Debbie. Oh, Jason, oh, Jason, I love Jason. Jason, you know what Jason was, is actually, I have, we, we were on a, uh, um, um, Seth, Seth and James that, that he does oh, yeah. the house. And um, I said this to Jason, cause I don't think I had ever said this to him in person, uh, you know, when we were working, but Jason in a company, you always want a leader, not just your director or your choreographer, but because we leave, right? What once the creators, once it shows up, we leave. So there, the, it's always good to have somebody in the company that people listen to, look up to, a positive, not not negative, because negative is terrible, right? Mm -hmm. And and Jason was one of those one of those human beings that he created environment. He was always accessible. I mean, he had not, you know, he he had not done Seinfeld yet. So now he was not the Jason Alexander that people know today, but he had, but he had a, 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 a very good resume behind him at still at that point, you know, um, he had done shows. He was not, a, he was not green. He was not a newbie, but he was a great cast member, always positive, funny. Um, he uh, just, he was a great role model and someone that you would want in a position of leadership. And it's not that they say do this and do that. It's just 
their their aura makes them oh you respect them you and you you take your lead off of them when when someone you respect does does it right way and with a positive uh, spin on it you it it filters down it's the same way with someone that has a negative which I call a cancer that can spread terribly through a company too but luckily that was not with Jason, she was great. And Debbie, Debbie Shapiro, Debbie Gravit now is her name. Oh, my internet said, okay. And um, uh, I would listen to her sing Monotony every night, just like, oh, she just knocked it out of the park. You know, it was, and that room filled with dancers, Marianne, who's a good friend of mine in Charlotte, all these, uh, Mark Hobie, who was one of our original swings, who I, fact, I was just on a, a Zoom with him, who is now the, you know, so, uh, the, the uh, artistic director and producer of uh, Paper Mill. He's good, for, we've worked together since. It was, there were some great people, Jack Noseworthy, Sergio. Uh, we just had some great, great people in, in our company. Um, very, very lucky, Alan Ariano. I'm just trying to like push up from names. In fact, if you, you're not gonna believe this, tomorrow we are having a big Zoom um, um, uh, uh, re reunion, our 32nd, last night was the 32nd anniversary of our opening. Oh, wow. Can you believe that? I didn't even know that Mark was telling me that. So we're having, there's a big reunion tomorrow uh, that we're doing on Zoom. So I'll see so many people. Oh my gosh. Um, uh, Troy, Troy Myers, who I, we did, that we did um, uh, um, theme park together. He was in the show. So that was great. Oh, it was such Great. Angela Fraboni, Johnny McGinnis, so many great, great people who are I'm still friends with and good friends with. Yeah, it was, a, it was, I mean, we had, there was 70 of us in that cast, if you can believe, 70 or 72, it was kooky, kooky amount of people. <laughs> so I want to ask you next about a shorter lived show that you did, which was Shogun. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes. What, what do you want to know about Shogun? <laughs> well, first I want to ask if you can tell <laughs> anyone who's listening about what it was? Shogun uh, based is a, um, the musical based on um, James Mich Michener's novel, Shogun. Uh, and it was about an, uh, an American, a Brit, a British, an American, oh my God, I gotta read, that, that landed in Japan uh, and fell in love with, a, basically fell in love with a Japanese woman. Um, and, you know, uh, interracial, very, uh, now it's much more common. I mean, look at me, right? But, you know, to um, to do a show with, uh, you know, a white person and an Asian person getting together back then was kind of racy. Uh, it was a racy novel for him to write. But it was, the show had so much potential. It was magnificent to look at. It was the set, the costume design, the hair. It was so the light. Everything about the show technically was breathtaking. When people came, like there was a final scene where we did this, where we rode down on horses. It literally it took your breath away. It was so magnificent. Um, it just <laughs> we were we. It was not. It was not well executed, I guess, in in book. And you know that was that was my second Broadway show. So again, I'm still green. Uh, I, I, the book had some problems, music, we, we had, there were some creative problems, I think with the, with the creators, our, our um, music writer, Paul Chahara, is his name, and he had only, I don't, I don't know if he had done anything theatrical at the time, he had written the music for China Beach, which was a television show, the series, very successful, 
um, he's beautiful writer. He, there was some beautiful music in there, but um, there was there was some there was some definitely conflict going on with the creators, which we were not privy to, and I don't really know. I know that I do know that Paul was <laughs> was banned from the theater at one point. I don't know why. Like I said, I you know I was just a performer. I was up there, but um, but it was great. And also, I had a I had a I had a role in it, so I got to sing a little and act. And also, it was a dance role, but it was you know it was I I was able to use more than just my dancing, and it was it yeah. was thrilling uh, to be able to do that. You know, and yeah, it was. It was a short-lived show, but it was great. And we did our out of town. We did our out of town in not here. I'm in, I'm in London in um, DC, where I saw our set from West Side Story still there in the in the storage room. Can you believe that it was still there because they had to close and they shut us down? So I was like, oh my god, our West Side Story set was still there when I did Shogun <laughs> out of town in at the Kennedy Center. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, and like I said, and I, I still have some good friends from that show. Yeah, you know, sometimes when a show is a, is not so successful, sometimes your your friendships tighten up even more because because you know that the end is near and and you want so much, you have to believe in what you do, Charles. No matter, no matter if the show is good or bad, as a performer, as an actor, as a dancer, as a singer, no matter, you have to believe in it. Otherwise, if you don't believe in it, then why are you doing it? So even though we knew that maybe the audience is not loving us, but up there, I love doing every moment of it. You had to, you know, you can't worry about what the critics say. You can't, otherwise we, no one would do anything. So, but it was, you know, I was, I was thrilled. I mean, we, I got more work out of than we planned because we have, I did skeleton crew for that, pre-production for that. We rehearsed, we went to DC, we came back to New York, rehearsed. So I, I, you know, it was much more work than, than for a show that wasn't a success than normal. But um, I do, it was, it was, you know, every experience for the most part, I think is, is a good experience. You take away with it, you take away what you can from it, no matter, no matter good or bad. And I'm, I'm thrilled that I got to do that show. It was, I, I don't ask me to sing one song from it because I don't remember, <laughs> but I do remember there were some beautiful ballads. I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. So the next show you did was of course a huge hit, which was Miss Saigon. So what was it like to be doing that with the controversy about Jonathan Price and? Oh my goodness. So let me tell you, so I auditioned for that show a couple times. I mean, I had several callbacks. Then I, I, I turned it down because I was doing Shogun. Because mm -hmm. I was doing Shogun, I, was, I, had a, I had a role. So I thought I turned it down. Uh, little did I know back then that show producers know when shows aren't doing well like i didn't know this like they know the numbers they know that probably they're going to close the show down so and casting people i get a call from vin so we get our closing notice for um i remember michener mr james Mitchell called up me personally to give me a, a, a saying we're closing the show's closing in a week he called all the principals and called them i was that was a i think that was a monday I'm going to say within two hours, Vinnie Liff from Johnson Liff calls me up and said, Joanne said, I want to offer you Miss Saigon again. And I, I was like, oh my God. Yeah, yes. I said, Shogun's closing. And he goes, we know. 
We and they they apparently knew that Shogun was probably teetering on the edge of. So they he said we never recast your part. We we were we were saving it for you. So they never hired someone else when I turned it down. And so when Sh when they Shogun got the official notice, or when I got the official notice, they knew obviously before that was probably going to happen. He called me up and offered me the job. I I remember thinking. I think there's a lucky star just shining over my head right now because I had just bought my first apartment. I went, oh my God, I was like, oh my God, now I don't have a job, I'm gonna pay, you know? And, and so I went right from Shogun, I think we might have had a week off, I don't know, or maybe not even, I can't remember, there were about four of us that came from Shogun to Miss Saigon. Um, God, I'll have to ask one of the other actors. I'll see if they remember that um, we went right into rehearsal and and that, and then 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 um, you know Miss Saigon, which which was a huge hit, and I, it was great. But yes, there was lots of controversy with Jonathan Price and the prosthetics coming over, and you know, and again, you know, it's funny because uh, being half Japanese, you know, I remember calling my mother up because there was also controversy about. Um, about the women playing hookers, you know, in Bangkok and th these kind of women. And, you know, there was a lot of controversy over that, you know, uh, Asian community was up in arms with the fact that, oh, these women are being portrayed as, as hookers and, you know, that's all that we ever play. And I, which is, I understand. So I remember asking my mother, even though she was not, she's Japanese, but you know, telling her about the show, and and my father did two tours of duty duty in uh, Vietnam. So she said, "That's those women. That's what they did. They that was how they survived." So it's not, you know, it wasn't. Um, she goes, "It's not. It's not not reality that that's not what they did. They did do that. That." And I remember going back, and I thought, you know what? So it, for me, it gave me. Um, a, a sense of not relief, but like a piece that I've said, you know what? Uh, yes, I'm playing the hooker, <laughs> but, but, but this is not a historical piece, but this is how these women survived. It, it's, I think it's like how sometimes people survive today who, you know, there are young, young women who, who are on the streets or hooking. It's, it's their only way to survive. And so that's what happened to these women. So uh, I, there was a sense of like, I felt a responsibility in a way that okay, then I'm going to portray this because this is this is this is not a documentary, but it is in truth what was going on during this war and still goes on, right? And so, I didn't mind that. And and I remember we were in the news all the time, Charles. And I, I remember so the first time I heard this phrase, the uh, bad pub no publicity is bad basically uh, it's, it's basically free advertisement we were on the front page of the new york times all the time it could not it did it couldn't have done anything more but lifted the show heightened the show's awareness in especially in new york right and then with tourists coming in so it was fascinating now the thing with jonathan who i adore and i um he's he was phenomenal in the role yes he was not um, he not he was not of a mixed race you know he says in his <coughs> In the song, it says he's half Asian, half French, right? It says that in the song. So he doesn't have to be a full Asian, but it would have been, it would have been better if that role were cast with someone of, uh, of, you know, mixed race, absolutely. But he was 
you can't take away his talent. His talent was fantastic. He was great in the part. And he was also a great, he was a fun, fun actor. You know, you, when you first, I, when he first came over, you know, I'm thinking I was this British guy. I was going to be this, you know, stuffy Englishman. I didn't know any better. And he was funny and he had a great sense of humor. Oh my God. Always playing jokes on him. He was always playing. He was, he was great. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's a shame that it was cast that way, but I'm not, that, that has nothing to do with his talent whatsoever, you know, and he brought, he, he brought humility and he brought um, grace to the part and the way he handled himself was sensational. Yeah. So I also want to ask you about Bob Avian and Nicholas Heitner, who had. Oh, Bob Avian, who we just lost. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Oh, Bob was great. And Bob, I love, and Jody Mochi, who was his associate. They were, they were great. Just fun and, uh, yeah, I, I, Bob was, he was such a, he was a great, lovely man, very kind in rehearsal, not a yeller. He was very, very kind, he, you know, even though he comes from the school of Michael Bennett, but he was, he was great. They worked really nice. They, to me, I mean, from my point of view, they seem to work really nice together, together. Nicholas Heitner. Ah, oh, I love Nick. He was, he to me was the quintessential Englishman in my head. What I thought Englishmen were like very, you know, he was very proper, but, um, he, but he scared the shit out of me because because well he's the director one and he's this british guy and i think oh he's just like this big wig you know and he uh, every director scared me i just thought i'm always going to get fired i'm just never i'm never i'm never going to be good enough but he was um his vision i thought was great he treated everybody or from my point of view again i felt i felt very taken care of i didn't um i thought he was i thought he did a beautiful job with that show i thought it was you know um it's a great story. It's a story. Of, it's a story. It's a love story. It's a, no matter um, no matter what you look like, you know. Yeah. The core of it is, is this love story between two people. No matter what, where they come from, what their color of their skin is, you know, what their beliefs are. So yeah, it was. It was. I loved it, and we were and we were a big hit. So <laughs> that's a great thing. And why do you think that it was such a big hit? Then? That's a good question. Well, I think. I, I think the controversy didn't hurt it at all. Honestly, I really don't. I think, you know, it, um, it's, it's because everyone loves a love story that, that people that, that you see that could overcome situations, right? I think there's something so beautiful in that. And the music, I mean, some of that music was so spectacular. It was just wonderful in the part. Everyone, I mean, there was, it was a great group of people. Um, it would, it had sex appeal to it, and sex, sex appeal. I know you're young, but sex appeal is something that that is appealing. It sells tickets, you know. And I'm not talking about just women or men showing off their bodies. I'm just talking. There was some. There was there was there was a rawness and a sexuality to it, um, which I think is that is enticing, you know, to an audience. A absolutely. Um, uh, and it was it was well done. I think it was really it was a really well done piece of of, of show, you know, and uh, you know it's a take on Madame Butterfly and yeah. I just um, love stories. Just are love stories when they're told well are people are it's universal. Yeah. You no, know, isn't it right? Don't you want that? 
I think that's one of the reasons of, of its success. And it was also during that, the British invasion. I mean, we had Cats, we had Les Mis, we had uh, Phantom and Miss Saigon. You know, it was that period of what we called the British invasion of, of these mega, mega musicals uh, on Broadway. So that also has an appeal. Whether we know it, I think, whether we really think about it consciously, but subconsciously, I think, definitely. Yeah. So I want to ask you next about the revival of Guys and Dolls, which you were in. So what was it like to be working with Jerry Zachs on that? Who, of course oh, well, first of all, that, probably one of my favorite shows I've done. That, that's in the top three. Um, Jerry Zachs and Chris Chadman, who, was the, who also is no longer with us, who passed away of AIDS. Ugh. Um, Jerry Zachs, funny, I call him, and this is this is in no way disrespect, but louder, faster, funnier, because he gets comedy. Boom, boom, but he gets comedy. He's very, he's quirky. He's very quirky, but I adored him. Um, and he, you know, we had Nathan Lane, again, Faith, Faith, my second show with Faith. Peter Gallagher, yummy, delicious Peter Gallagher, who I adore to this day. I, I We stay in touch every once in a while. Great. Just... Oh, I just adore him. Um, our original, our original um, um, Sarah was Carolyn McNinney, but then she left the show. And um, um, oh my God, who's our who's our Sarah? Who's our Sarah Charles? It was Josie de Guzman. Josie de Guzman, thank you. <laughs> Who then took over, and she was fabulous. It was and oh the, the I mean Chris Chadman's choreography was out of this world it was so hard i and i did it's funny i i did skeleton crew on that show with him i did pre-production and oh he scared the poop out of me boy he was he was old school tough like jerry robbins old school you were 100 percent all the time every time you were working you if you wear heels in the show you rehearsed in heels you didn't rehearse in sneakers what they do today or barefoot or socks uh-uh those heels were on and they did not come off. And your feet, my feet would be aching that I would stand and I would in my heels and I would just roll over on my ankles to just to give the balls of my feet a rest while he's giving us notes, just like, and just, you know, you're, yes, sir. Yeah, you just, you did it, you did it. It, it gave you, it, it taught so much, you taught you discipline, right? And whether you believe in that or not, believe in that way, I, I mean, it's made me who I am today, I think. And, but it was that show, What first of all, great score, great story, everything about that show, top notch, right? Just the show, then we had Tony Walton doing the set. It was, it was, oh my gosh, I love that show. And we were, we were a huge hit. We were, we were, I remember Charles, that we were, we were um, recording the album. And back then it, the, the New York Times critic was not Ben Brownlee, it was, it was, it was, oh my God. Frank Rich. Frank, thank you, Frank Rich. Oh my gosh, you are unbelievable. Frank Rich, is that right? Yes, Frank Rich was the, and he, God, I hope I'm getting this right. Yeah, he was still the, he was still the critic in 1992, right? He, uh, he was at our um, cast recording in the studio watching. You're, and I thought, I didn't know exactly who he was. I was like, who is that? Frank Rich, I go, of the New York Times, this is, I think we were, we did this recording before we opened. So we were on the front page of the New York Times 
when we opened with the we and the line so it was almost like not that we knew but we had a feeling we were going to be a hit he loved the show the line the next morning this is back in the i don't know if this still happens the next morning after the reviews came out the line from the box office at the um at the uh Al Hirsch, Al, it's called, it's, we called the Martin Beck, now the Al Hirsch, Hirschfeld, was around the block, down 8th Avenue. Unbelievable. It was, it was thrilling. And also thrilling to be in a show that I love doing every night. I, my partner was Gary Christ, and we were the Havana elite couple. And oh, just dancing with him every night was heaven. And then when he left me, damn, he left me, and Sergio, Trujillo took in and I got to dance with Sergio. So I had two brilliant partners doing a show that was so wonderful and and doing Chris Chadman's choreography and you know uh, it was fantastic and uh, and that Havana especially was set on myself and Gary because I did I did pre-production with him so it was thrilling to have something set for my body for me you know it was it was a great experience it was one of my favorite favorite performing experience absolutely to this day and jerry and jerry, you know jerry zach's at the helm he was he's he knows comedy and you know and nathan lane is no is no hack you know you know between him and faith the comedy was just crazy and smart 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 comedians also smart actors so i do want to ask you um you did a sort of string of a lot of golden age revivals at this point so do you think there's something about your style that particularly lends itself to revivals or that's a very good question. I, you know what? I, I'd like to think, <laughs> whether it's true or not, Charles, I'd like to think that, you know, I was, I had a very great teacher. My, my original teacher, I said, Nancy Lefebvre de Chico, who was my, what, my very first mentor. And she was smart enough to always bring in and different teachers from all over the country to our studio in Rhode Island. So I was taught so many styles of movement and dance. I constantly was never just one thing from all from teachers from all over, including Canada. I went up there, I trained. So I was always um, able to pick up styles of movement quickly because I was trained that way. I wasn't trained just to do one thing or stylistically, which I feel like is a, is something that happens with younger dancers today. Um, I, I, you can't, you have to diversify yourself. You have to, you have to, you have to be able to do so many different things in different styles. So I think that helped me do these, as you said, these golden ages of musicals, right? And even though the choreography wasn't necessarily so um, old school that they were done back in, when these shows were originally, like Chris Chapman's choreography was definitely uh, more modern for that period than it was originally. But, but the fact that you, that I could mold myself into these styles uh, easily, I think helped me um, do these types of musicals, you know, and help me in my audition process of, of being able to pick up styles and adjust to stylistically and movement what the choreographer hopefully wants. So I think, I think it's my training has, that is the, one of the reasons why I was fortunate enough to do some of these great revivals. Yeah. I think so, yeah. So I want to ask you another sort of general question, which is, what have been your experiences with or memories of performing on the Tonys? 
Oh, that's thrilling. I, the first Tony's we did was with uh, Jerome Robbins, but we, and that was at, oh my gosh, they filmed some of it. And then we did uh, the dance, the gym. And this was when the Tony's were at the Lunt Fontaine. Oh. So we walked from the Imperial Theater in our costumes, across the street, across the alley into the Lunt Fontaine, you know, and do, and performed in the Tony Awards. It, it was thrilling. It was thrilling. But I would have to say, let's see, that was, that's my first probably the second of course Shogun we didn't perform at the Tonys but <laughs> but Miss Saigon which was my third Broadway show we did and that was that at the time that was at the Minsk Golf the Tonys were at the Minsk Golf Theater and we were at the Broadway we did not walk down with our bikinis on thank goodness I believe we were bust over I think we were bust over from the Broadway uh, that was uh, they're all thrilling I mean you know to be on the Tonys but. I think what's more fun, because we didn't really get to see other shows, it was when I performed on the Tonys when it was at Radio City, where down in the holding room, which is basically the first floor lobby, a lot of the times, all you see all the different, a lot of the different shows, so that you were able to see your peers in different shows. That, I think that was more thrilling than the first two times, just because we were so isolated. We were, we, you know, we walked in, we walked out, or we were bussed over and bussed back where you are bussed over, but there's a holding area where you can sit and you can stretch and warm up. And so that was, I think that's more thrilling because like I said, you're with other people, you know, that are on the shows. And even though it's a competition, there's something, there's a camaraderie because every, you want everyone to succeed really because it just makes Broadway better. Yeah. The more shows that are up and running, the more people who are going to come and see them, you know. So uh, to me, that was more thrilling. And um, performing, I, I remember, the, what was the first, I think, what was the first, was Kiss Me Kate the first show I did at, at on the Tonys at the, I think that might have been one of the first shows that we performed at um, at Radio City, which was, it's also in that stage and that and that theater is huge you know when you're performing you know the lights are up because it's because you're doing it more for television than you are for the audience so it's not typical so you can see especially those first like eight nine ten rows you can see everyone in them you know so that's a little daunting but you know you see all your, your i remember seeing um uh susan stroman oh we did i said steel pier because i had i had done steel pier with her sitting there and i remember seeing stokes and Marin. Uh, in the in the audience yeah so it was it was thrilling because you could see them because it was being filmed so yeah I, I mean and to be part just to be part of a of you know whether you believe in awards shows or not uh, I, I know but just to uh, be part of the family that comes together to celebrate the theater whether whether you win or lose whether you like awards or not but just the the idea of coming to get everyone coming together and celebrating i that i love that and it's and it is thrilling it is thrilling beyond thrilling so i want to ask you next about doing um damn yankees which so what is it like when you come in as a replacement when you did on this as you did on this what is that Experience. Yes, I mean that was I. That was my. Was that my first show replacing? I think so. 
No, thank you. <laughs> I was like, you know, you know more than I do. Um, yeah, so I had never done that. So that was, you know, interesting. I was like, I was not going to rehearsal with everybody. Um, it's trickier because you're by yourself. You know, you're learning the dances with the dance captain by yourself. You're learning um, the music with the musical director by yourself. And then, then it, depending on what type of show it is, maybe they bring in an actor you're going to work with. Um, but that I did for the most part, I didn't for my put in was when I got to meet all the everyone else and fit into the puzzle because that's what you have to do as a replacement you got to fit into the puzzle, you know you can't make your own piece you have to be part, you have to be the piece that fits already. And then you can make room for yourself but so it was it was tricky and it was there was some hard harmonies I remember David Chase was the musical director and I was having the hardest time. With this damn harmony for these these three girls we had we had to do all these oh they were so tight oh i think he was so frustrated with me we're still we're good friends now <laughs> it was it was hard but i also went in i went into the show right after jerry lewis went in so in fact i saw jerry's first show so i you know when i got i got offered the show robbie marshall offered me the show and I got offered the show. And so they said, you have you seen it? I had, I had not seen it yet. So you want to see the show tomorrow? So I said, yes. I went in. It was Jerry um, Lewis's first show. So that was fun. So it was, I got to do this show with Jerry Lewis, who I was, I had the great fortune to work with him twice, you yeah. know, before he passed away. So um, it was tricky. I didn't stay with the show long. I only stayed with the show for 10 weeks, which is not a good thing. But I got offered to play Cassie in a chorus line, even though it was a regional, but I was finally, I felt like I was finally old enough to understand this role and I really, I wanted to do it. So I remember I left the show um, after 10 weeks and I, I, I remember it was, Robbie Marshall was not, he was very angry with me. I didn't know that at the time. I found out through the grapevine that he was and, and I remember writing him a letter and I apologize. I mean, I, I said, I think I said something like, I, I, I had to do it because I, I really wanted to do this part, but, um, I'm really sorry. Maybe I, sh I should have talked to you in person or, you know, wrote to him because he did offer me the show. So uh, that was a lesson learned for me. I thought, you know what? He was very gracious. And I, I remember I, that was something I learned. I thought, note to self, you know what? People, when they hire you, they're putting themselves on the line. They want to bring you in. And so if you're going to, if you have to leave, you're going to leave early, you have to leave. Um, it has to be for a good reason. And maybe maybe talk to them or write to them or in person, you know what I mean? Make it more personal, personable and personal. And so it was, it was a lesson that I will, I will never forget. And I thank Robbie for um, not, he didn't say anything, but I knew he was mad at me. So when I found out, so I'm glad he was mad at me because I learned my lesson. So, yeah. yeah. And I also want to ask you sort of quickly about two other revivals you did, which were how to succeed on funny thing. Yes. Oh, yeah. So those are my other, it was funny. Those are the other two shows that I replaced. So, yeah. right. And how to succeed. So how to succeed. Um, I think it was six months into their sh the opening. I got a call from Marsha Goldberg, who was part of um, uh, Dodgers. They were their GMs offering me the show. And I thought, I, I was like, I didn't audition for the show. And she goes, no, but, but, um, um, Oh my God, who choreographed, who choreographed How to Succeed? Wayne, Wayne Salento. Oh my God, I just flipped. Oh. Wayne Salento, no, he, cause I had, I think I had, I had auditioned for him for something else and danced for him before. And no, they, they want to offer you the show. I went, okay, okay. And, but the dance captain, 
was leaving the show. In fact, she left the show before I got hired. So they said, Would you, we want you to do the show, but we also want you to take over as dance captain. <laughs> I thought, well, okay. But I didn't know she had already left the show. So there, I was like, so who's going to teach me the show? Because that's what the dance captain does. So the other swing, the other female swing came in and taught me a little bit. Wayne came in a couple times, but I would say 70% of the show, I learned myself. I literally stood in the wings, watched, and then I would go into a rehearsal room and I would, and then they, then they would ask me, okay, when can you go in? And I would, I put myself into the show one or two numbers a night. So I, okay, I can, let me just do this, these two things tonight. And that's how I did. And then, okay, I'm ready to do, yeah. So I, it was, it was not the norm. That's how normal. <laughs> <laughs> so but it was great fun you know and also doing Wayne's choreography was so fun uh it was a that company was an I mean you had Matthew Matthew Broderick was great and Megan Mullally the two of them were they were really great together um but it was an interesting show you know sometimes shows like say with Guys and Dolls with um Kiss Me Kate with Steel Pier there's there there's this camaraderie in the show where every individual clicks and it just meshes on stage and off stage. It just meshes. For some reason, <laughs> Hunt Succeed didn't feel that way to me. I felt like on stage, it meshed, but off stage, the individual components the, didn't always mesh. For some, I don't know why, it was really, it was an interesting, environment vibe and, that I had never experienced and it maybe it just I'm the only one who thinks this or felt it but I just felt like it didn't feel as loving as an environment as I had experienced prior but not that there was any crazy arguments or anything bad going on it just didn't feel cohesive off stage on stage phenomenal yeah on stage I thought it was it, it just fun everything just came together so that was uh that's was interesting I then I, I only did that show for about six months because then I left to do um a show called time and again at the old globe um forum oh my god so forum I remember I was at at the New York sports club I think that no world gym it was called world gym and it was like at 66th and Broadway or something like that it doesn't exist anymore and I was in a spinning class with Michael Arnold, who was the dance captain of, of, of Forum, who I love. We had, we had done Guys and Dolls together. He can make me laugh. He's one. Of, he's like one of the three people that can make me laugh that I can't stop on stage. It's horrible. He's horrible. <laughs> he's great. But um, and he goes, "What are you doing now?" I said, "I'm not, nothing. Nothing. I'm you know." And then the next day, I get a call. Uh, Joanne, we want to make you an offer to do funny thing on the way to the forum. I went, what? I was like, I, I, I never auditioned for that show. And I go, isn't that Robbie Marshall? That's Robbie Marshall's show. I was like, and that's what I had already known that he was mad at me and I had written a letter, but I not, I wasn't sure that he, I was like, I don't, does, I, I don't know. I think he doesn't like me. And they said, no, Robbie, Robbie wants to offer you the part, the vibrata. And I was, my good friend Marianne was leaving to do, what was Marianne leaving to do? Maybe the Chicago movie, I think, or something like that. So 
I am. Um, no, that's not right. I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, so I I said yes, and I you know I saw the show. I had not seen the show. Okay, great. I have a costume fitting. I rehearsed Michael rehearsed my, uh, myself, and um, oh god, what's this fabulous young lady was going in for gym, gymnasia, gym, tall the tall part. Um, Holly Cruikshank. We rehearsed together. She, I was like, great. I got to rehearse with her. She's like six feet tall. <laughs> I'm like five four, but um, it was so. It was actually I loved it that we got to rehearse together. You know, Lisa, you're not alone. So we went into the show together, and oh, I loved it. I, and I, I went into the show saying to them, I just have to say this, I. I'm not going to stay with, no, I, I'm not going to stay with the show because I have something else coming up in three months. They said, that's okay. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to be upfront with this. I don't want to make this mistake again, you know, and uh, oh, oh, great. So it was, I loved it. And, and Nathan, second time I got to work with Nathan, it was great, kept funny. Oh, it was so fun. I got to beat Nathan up, not literally, but it was so fun. I had this big ponytail and you know that you have to jump on him and and I was I roughhoused him I and he loved it he didn't like he didn't want to pretend I would throw him over and throw him over <laughs> I loved it it was like it was it was just so much fun and he he was great I liked Nathan even more during forum because I found him more I found him more I was scared to death of Nathan and and guys and dolls he scared me um, and we didn't really interact with him. We're in forum every day, we because every number was with him. So we had to interact. So I, I really enjoyed Nathan so, so much in forum. And it was so fun. He would, and, and to be able to play with him, you know, he, he was just such, he's such a genius. I love doing the show. It was hard. It was nerve wracking because you had this two minutes of, of like adrenaline rush coming out, just like being, I felt like it was being shot out of a cannon, but that was a fun show. It was great people. Also the, the ladies were great. I have great, great dressing roommates. And uh, I, I really love, love doing the show. I left the show uh, and then came back for three months later. Yeah, so I, I did, two, I ended up doing it six months, three months and I left to do something and then I came back. Um, and my dear friend, Pascal Faye took over for me. And then I came back in, uh, I can't remember. I can't remember. I cannot remember why, but I did. I did it for three more months. Uh, it was great. I loved. Lo I loved doing that show. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. I hated not being able to eat in between shows because we had to wear those damn bikinis. So I always had to be scared. Oh, so I would just have to eat very lightly. <laughs> so I want to ask you next about doing Call Me Madam at Encores. Uh, oh, that was, my uh, gosh, I haven't thought about that show. That was, if I'm correct, that was the second year Encores existed, I think. Oh. I think, I think so. And I remember it was after Guys and Dolls had closed and Kathleen Marshall gave me, called me up. I didn't have to audition for that and said, you want to do Encores? Just call me Madam. I didn't even, I was like, oh, yeah. It was like, you know, it was a two week gig basically. I thought, okay, yeah, I'll do it. And Kathleen, and it was, uh, Michael Barres and I were partners and that would, that was, that would be the second time I've worked with Michael. And then I'll have, I'll work with him one more time. And, and it was great. It was, we had back, this is back in the day, Charles, where there was, there were no, there were no costumes, there were no sets. This was truly a reading, a staged reading, not barely staged, book in hand uh, with one number choreographed. So it was only one production that we did. And it was, 
Did we open act two? I think we opened act two. God, you're the close act one or open. No, we opened act two and uh, or close to it. And it was great. It was myself. Oh God, let's see if I can get this right. Myself, Michael, we were partners. Um, Angelo from Boney and Amy Higgins were partners and Marianne and Darren Lee were partners. So we had just, just six of us and we did this kick-ass number. And I remember, I remember writing a letter to Kathleen going, I, I was like, oh, this is, she's going to start working. Cause it was so great. It was so much fun. It was so, she was so on it. She came in the room so prepared. Um, and it, oh, I, I loved it. And I remember the first night we performed, I think it was the gypsy run through we performed and, you know, it was end and we were supposed to go and go on to the th next. And the applause was so overwhelming because like I said, it was only, they only did one dance number. Not like they do, now they do full on shows, right? Fully produced shows. Yeah. And so the, the audience was probably like hungry for it. So that they, we, the rehearsal the next day, they said, okay, we have to, we're gonna have to stop for applause. So we literally stopped, we finished, stopped the show. We took a bow, if I'm correct. I, I have to ask and make sure I'm, I think we took a bow, I believe. Um, after before they could go on because the applause was so great. So it was, and you know, and it was so, because you only do four shows, not including the run through. And then it's over. You're like, oh, it's, it's, you, you're just getting in the groove and then it's gone. And so I loved it. But at the same time, I went, oh, I, I wanted, I wanted to keep doing it some more. But it was, it was nerve wracking in the fact that you did one number, you had one number, but that you had to, sing on stage and you with these books like reading and trying to perform and sing oh, oh my gosh it was it was crazy but that was uh, that was the only encores i ever performed in and i loved it loved it so i want to ask you about coming into chicago which you did as a dance captain so what sort of performers were you working with during the time that you were oh my goodness so i actually did chicago on the road for about a couple of months um uh, just as a replacement. Then I got called, I got called to come into Chicago and take over, oh, and take over as dance captain. I was like, oh my God. So <laughs> it was great. I, um, I actually, it was great. I, I was on stage for a while, but I was, that show had, we, we called it a revolving door. I was in rehearsal every day teaching the show to somebody. It was constantly new people. So I finally asked um, if I could become a swing I take myself off stage and put, make the swing. Um, I think, oh no, the swing was leaving. I said, can I take myself off stage and we hire a June? Because I was rehearsing so much, it was so much for me. So we did that. I, so I got to put in, which was amazing. I got to put BB Newirth back in the show. Oh. And it was, you know, they had said, you know, I had not worked with BB uh, yet. And, um, I had heard through the grapevine, she's, you know, she can be tough and she's, she's old school in that way. And she does everything exactly like she's so precise and she wants to do what she did. And I was like, okay, okay. And so what I did was I went to the library, the Lincoln Center Library, and uh, you had, you have to get permission from the estate, from the Weisslers to do it. I said, I want to, I want to watch BB do the show and watch what she does. I took diligent notes on how she performed it, when she picked her sick, everything, every detail I had. And then I remember I was at some function, a party with some women. I don't even know why. It was a very small gathering, but Bibi was there. 
And I, I, we had kind of know, knew each other, but not really, you know, and, and I said, hi, Vivi, you know, she goes, oh, she goes, hi, so you're going to put me back in the show. I said, I am. And I think she was going, and we were going to start rehearsal like in a week, if, if that. And uh, she said, you know what I do? I said, I do. I said, I went to the library and watched a performance. I said, and I remember she was like, oh, and come, come rehearsal. I put her in and she was like, oh, okay. what did I do here? I said, you crossed your leg on this. I, I had everything. And she so it was great. So we got along great. She was great and fabulous. So it was thrilling to be able to put her and work with BB. And then I got to actually rehearse and this is going to sound so ridiculous, rehearse and put Anne, Annie back into the show. She was going to go do the tour. So she came into New York and we did the show together. I went over the show with her because she hadn't performed in a while. So that was that was great fun, you know, to put to put the two original ladies um, back in the show. I was like, they didn't really need me, but it was great to feel like they needed me. Um, no, so that was thrilling. But that show, I mean, there were constantly new people coming in. Uh, so I did the show for about nine months. I did it for about nine months. Yeah, it was great. It was great people. Uh, again, um, um, Greg Mitchell, who was my partner in Steel Pier, he was in the show at that time. Oh, it was great. Um, 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 Darlene Wilson, who played Hunyak, who who is no longer with us, she died of a, of a brain tumor, brain cancer. Oh, great! She was my dressing roommate, and Deidre Goodwin. We were dressing roommates. We had oh, we had such great time. It was a great. It was fun, fun people, fun cast. It was love. I loved. That was my first time doing a show with the with the orchestra on stage. You know, so there was some. It was and it was a great. It's Kendra Neb. I mean, it's such a. This you know, it doesn't get much better than that as a performer. So, and you get to dance, it was, yeah, it was, it's a good, it's a good show. It's, it's a, yeah, I, I, I haven't thought about these shows in so long, Charles, you're just making me go down memory lane. Thank you for that. I, I'm glad, I'm glad. Um, and what do you think was the huge staying power of it that it's been running for like 20 years now? Isn't that amazing? As a revival. Um, well, I think that's, well, first of all, it's, it's a great show, right? It's well, well-written. Candornet, well-written, well-conceived, um, one. Two, I think it is a sexy show. You know, there's, 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 there's a great political statement underneath it that you get, but, the, but there's, again, there's this, it's sexy, it's appealing. You know, you see appealing people on stage um, with great movement, it's mysterious, it's fun, it's funny, it has all, the, it's drama, it has so many great elements all in one basket. Uh, and two, the Weislers, who are, who are the producers, they, you know, they know how to bring in, replace people and bring in people that will bring in more people, you know, you've had some great, you've had some pretty um, famous people come and play Roxy Hart, come and play Billy Flynn, come and play Velma, so it, that, that certainly doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. And I also want to ask you about being a dance captain. Is that a role that you like to do or? You know what, I, it's funny. I, I have always had a very quick mind. It might be getting less quick these days, but I've always had a quick meaning that I, I, could, I could see something and pick it up with no problem. I, I had, a, had a, and I also had a really good memory, uh, not in everything, but when it comes to movement and dance, everything, I, I just, it, it's not a talent, it's just something I was born with, you know, so 
I remember I, when I was um, 17, 18, I worked at Opryland USA, which was a theme park, which was my first job under Gene Whitaker, who was the choreographer, who's also still a dear friend of mine. And I remember, I was the youngest in the company and she made me the dance captain. So I didn't even know what that meant. And I was like, okay, what's that mean? Basically I had to give warm up every day. And if there was some type of issue, I had to solve the problem. Why she knew I was that person to do it where she didn't know me, I, I'm not sure. I think maybe it's the way I handle myself in the room. It could be the way I, I pick up things really quickly. I know that when I'm looking for a dance captain now, I can, I'll watch people in the room, how quickly they can turn things around, how they work with their partners or, you know, so you can, you can, so I think I've always had that ability uh, and, and I just have been lucky enough that people saw that. So um, I, I do, I did like dance captaining, you know, it's, it's a hard job. I, I, it's, it's kind of like a babysitting adults at times, um, but your, you know, your main job is to keep the integrity of the show as the creators saw fit. So as a dance captain, my job is to keep what the choreographer, what he or she, their concept, their vision, their integrity up to par as the show goes on. Uh, and I, and I love it. And it also, I think it's, you know, I, it helped me really know how to run a room. I know how to run a room. I think I'm very good at running a room. I, um, you have to be very diplomatic, you know, uh, as the dance captain, uh, because you, you know, you have to get things done. And sometimes you're going to come, come up against uh, uh, an adversary type moment and you have to figure out, you have to weave your way through it so that you you can get your job and get the product accomplished you know so it was um it was great it's it's hard it's you know you don't stop working ever you, you know when you're in the show like when i'm in the show i have to put somebody in if i can't step out to watch them i watch them like with the side of my eye so you you have to you have to double duty but you know i think uh, i think women are very good at multitasking um so yeah i did i enjoyed it and it i i learned a lot by dance i learned lot. I learned how to uh, creators. I learned how to talk and work with actors and not just dancers, you know, so it's, it was, it's a great, it was a great learning tool for myself. Absolutely. And I did enjoy it. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to ask you next about Steel Pier and doing that. So what was it like to be working with Susan Stroman, who of course is a, another great director and choreographer? Uh, well, first of all, I had always wanted to work for Stroman, right? Uh, I remember doing a, a, a Thompson for Dance Magazine. They asked me the two choreographers I wanted to work with and one was Stroman and Graziella Danielle. I remember writing, I was like, those are the two women I want. And it's not funny. It's like, I never realized that they were women. It never even occurred to me till just now, Charles. <laughs> um, uh, and I remember I had auditioned for Stroman um, earlier on uh, for when she was gonna do Kiss Me Kate with Mike Ockren in the park at the Delacorte and then it fell apart. I got Steel Pier, again, Vinnie Liff. I was doing Time and Again for Kathleen Marshall in uh, San Diego. And Vinnie, I got a call from Vinnie Liff. Joanne, uh, somebody had to be let go from Steel Pier. We want to offer you the job. And I, I thought, I, but I, I didn't audition. And um, I was, he said, you got a high recommendation. And I thought it was from him, right? I was like, wow, I'm going to get to work with Susan Stroman and Scott Ellis. And I didn't, 
I did. I was like, I flabbergasted. So I, I said, the only problem is I go, we close on this day. I fly out the next day. So I'm not going to be at the first day of rehearsal at 10 o'clock. I won't be able to probably get there till around noon. And they said, that's okay. So I walked in like right before lunch hour, I think. And they were, they were singing. So I walked in and paying in my script and I sat down petrified, petrified of Susan Stroman because normally, you know, she likes her ladies taller than me. <laughs> and I remember walking in and uh, I, she goes, Joanne, come here. She said, I remember I had like little cut off jeans and it was summertime, a little short. She says, stand up, let me look at you. And I remember I was like this, oh my gosh, she's gonna fire me, she's gonna fire me. And I had sneakers on, I didn't even have my heels on. I was like, she's gonna fire me, I'm too short. And um, I loved that show, Charles. It was, I, I loved everything she did. I loved, oh, I loved working with, Gary, um, not Gary, I love working with Gary Christmas, that's Guys and Dolls, with, with Greg Mitchell. We clicked, it was so great. I loved all that partnering. Uh, I loved every minute. I loved the Scott, it was, they created such an environment. It was such a great giving room. You had John Kander, Fred Ebb, oh, sitting yeah. in the room right there while you're, I know you're just like, what? And then I remember they went off before lunch to another studio, came back after lunch, wrote a new song. You're like, what? You're just like, these are things that you are any, that I have read about books, you know what I mean? To be, to be part of that. And it was just, it was, oh, it was incredible. And uh, I just, I, I love that show. And Deb Monk, it was my first time working with Deb Monk, who I love, fell in love with to this day. And Gregory Harrison, oh, and KZ, just, oh Daniel, uh, who passed, who also passed, our lead gentleman who passed away from a brain tumor. God, Jesus. Um, great, great people. Oh, when we, and we knew they didn't like us. They loved us when we did the workshop, but for some reason, when we went to the stage, it didn't translate. And uh, it was so devastating. Casey Nicola was in the show, Andy, uh, Andy Blankenbuehler. It was such a great, it was such great people. And I'm gonna turn this light on. I look a little fuzzy. Um, um, just, and I, I just, I love dancing that show. I was so skinny. I loved it. Oh my gosh. Cause when you worked your butt off, you just didn't, you didn't stop moving. We didn't stop moving. And I remember when we got our closing notice and we closed, I, I have never really mourned a show when it closed or when I left, I was always ready. I'm like, Oh, I'm gone. I'm done. I'm ready to move on. I was so sad. I, I remember they said, you have a week to clean out your dressing room. And I couldn't go to the theater for a few days. I couldn't bear it. And then finally I said, I gotta go, clean. I gotta go pick up my makeup, you know, and just, I was so distraught. I loved, I loved dancing that show. I loved the people in that show. I loved, I loved everything about it, except for the, I didn't love that the audience didn't like us. <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask you next about Kiss Me Kate, which so this was, I think, your first big starring role on Broadway after I know you replaced as that. But first, I want to ask what it was like to understudy that role, which you did at first. That's right. I, I loved, that was another show I love. Also, a great group of people. I mean, another, I, I'm sorry, I'm, di I'm digressing, but another great leader, Stokes. You know, Stokes, Brian Stokes Mitchell and Maren Maisie. So many people have passed away. Um, 
great leaders. You know, they just, they created an environment, uh, of course, along with our creators. But um, so I knew, I knew Amy had the role. So when I auditioned, I knew, I was, I was like, I want to understudy this part. Cause I already knew that Amy was, uh, had the part. And I, I, I loved it. I, I loved understudying it because I, I love to be under the gun a little bit, under pressure. I like, I, you know, and the first time I went on for it, it was, it was a two show day. And at right near the end of the show, they came to me, they said, you're on tonight. And I was like, I am. And they said, yep. So, all right. So, and end of the show, boom, I, they said, go, go get your fitting. We got to, we got to get you into your costume. I hadn't had my own dress hadn't been made yet. I was getting my own, all my own costumes, but they weren't ready because it was too, still too early. Um, cause they don't, they don't do that until they get the reviews come in. <laughs> they, they know they're going to run before they make a set, second set of costumes. So I had, they had to make sure I could fit and they had to take some things in or let something out, you know? And so I had to do all of that before, right after my, the show. And then, uh, so that takes about an hour. Uh, and then they're like, so, and then I had to go for my wig fittings and all this stuff. And, um, so I remember my dresser, the dresser said, do you need something to eat? I couldn't eat. I was like, so she got me a, a, a shake from Juice Generation. I think that Juice Generation had just opened up and, and um, uh, it was great. I remember doing a little rehearsal with Michael Perez, who was playing Bill at the time, Bill Calhoun. So we did a, a little the opening. We had a little partner and we just did this. And luckily we had, you know, I said that was my third time working with Michael. So we knew each other, which was great. And and Stokes and Marin was so generous and it was thrill. I, I loved it, you know, just like go, you just go. It was scary. Oh my God, like you're, my heart was like constantly, but I loved, I it was, I loved it. And you know, the fact that you do it, you do it a couple of times, then you go back to your regular track and that, oh, it feels great. But you know, it's, you don't, the thing is when, when you're doing that part, you don't have the camaraderie with your other, other dancers as you do when you're doing the other part. So they're both, they're both great, you know, and then I got to take over for the role for three months before I left and it was, it was thrilling. And, and again, that was my, I think my third time working with Paul Gimignani, our musical director, who I, who I just think is the best. And he's, so I, I'm, that was thrilling. I love doing the part. I love the music. I mean, it's just Cole Porter, you know, and all those lyrics to Always True to You. Oh my God, there's so many lyrics. And I, I, every once in a while I would get two verses turned around. I was like, oh shit, I could think, okay, do I repeat it or do I just flip it <laughs> in the middle of, while I'm singing? But, um, oh, it was great. I, I loved it. And, and it was, a, it was, it was thrilling to sing some of that material. You know, it was right up my alley too. It was set so great in my voice. I thought, you know what I mean? I have a high belt. So it just, it was a perfect fit for me vocally, a perfect fit for me dance wise. So it was, you know, I, I was, I'm so grateful that I, I, I got to do that for a while. Yeah, I love that. That was a great show. That was another, that's also my, that's my other top show that I, I performed in, I loved, yeah. yeah. So I think um, Kathleen Marshall has come up a few times, but I do want to ask you about her. And what is? What, do you, what would you like to know about Kathleen? I, I guess just what it's like to work with her. As She's great. Kathleen is on it. Let me just say, she comes in the room. She knows what she wants. She comes. She doesn't come in going, hmm, what should I do here? You know, and there, not that there's a, that's wrong. Some, some people work that way. I also like to come in with a plan under knowing that the plan could go awry, but having, and she's, 
She's brilliant that way. She um, knows what she wants. She's also very kind in the rehearsal room. She's a generous, generous creator when she's working with, with her actors and dancers. Um, no, so it's, uh, both the, her and Strom, they're very similar in that way. They come in knowing what they want. They, they have a game plan. They have a concept. They have a point of view. And then, and then they work with you. And that's, that's what makes a, the creators great. You know? So yeah, she, it, was, it was great working with Kathleen. Yeah. So I want to ask also about working with, I think, Carolee Carmelo and Burke Moses came in later. And oh my gosh, yes, they both came in. Burke, I had worked with them. That was my second time working with Burke. Burke replaced um, Peter Gallagher. Right? Oh. Yes, he replaced Peter Gallagher in Diamond Dolls. So I had, that was my second time working with Burke, Burke and Stark, and that's why I called him Burke Moses. And Car I had never worked with Carolee. She was great. I mean, Carolee, that voice. And, you know, also again, two, two pros, you know, when, when you, they both came in, so they had to, like I said, when you were a replacement, you rehearse on your own with, you know, the resident director or the or stage management, PSM, dance captains, you know, then you get to work slightly with your partners and then you come into the whole picture. And both of them were, you know, they're, they're, um, they're professionals. They do their gig, they come in, they know what they want, you know, they, they have their own point of view, even though they have to fit in the puzzle, then they will eventually make it their own. And they did, they're both you know, smart. They both have a, a, a great sense of humor because it needs a lot of comedy. And and both Burke and Carolee um, Carmela were both had had the had the um, humor chops, comedic chops to go along with all that phenomenal singing. You know, they were they they were actually great replacements. I mean, uh, Stokes and Marin were phenomenal, but. Burke, um, Burke and Carolee were also just terrific. So the show didn't the show didn't lack anything when they came in at all. It, yeah. it, they were fantastic, yeah, and are fantastic, yes. And I also want to ask about how you approach your role of Lois Lane and how you made it your own. And oh, <laughs> well, I I mean, I I like that part because I you know. What's what I think about Lois Lane is that she as as she's like dumb as a fox. Basically, she's not she's not stupid at all. She knows she she knows how to use her whatever she uses to get what she wants, and that's what she does. She flirts with Fred, right? You know. So I I loved the idea that she's using her everything that she has to manipulate her world to get that part, to get what she needs to get, you know what I mean? In a good way, in a, in a fun way, not in a mean way, or she's not, it's not a mean person, you know? So I, I love that. I, it's, it's navigating. I, I love, I'm, I know how to navigate a room and the more, especially I navigate it even more now that I'm on the other side of the table. So it's, it's, um, I, that's, that's how I approached her because, and, and dumb as a fox, it's not dumb at all. Just, using what she can to get what she wants. Uh, so I, that's how I approached her and I, and, and fun. And, you know, it's everyone's, they all have a, they all have, they all have a, a good sense of being uh, each of those characters, right? They're no, no, no one's a bad guy. Um, so I just, yeah. And just being able to do scenes opposite Brian Stokes Mitchell's I remember I went up on one line with Stokes at the beginning. I, I, I tongue-tied my words. I, I flipped them and they didn't make any sense. And he kind of looked at me and I remember I just slapped them. I just, because I got so good. I slapped them and then I said it again. 
I'll never forget that. I go, oh my God, I just literally, I flipped the words. They needed, they weren't even real words. I put the wrong first letter with the other words. <laughs> it didn't make it. But he was, it was great. I, so yeah, I would say that's how I uh, approached it. And, you know, and, and, and I, you know, taking Always True to You, that song where I, I wanted to make sure, you know, because it's about, it's about talking to the, to her, her guy, Bill, but then also relaying uh, uh, about the different men that she's going after and why, right? So I wanted to make sure that audience, for me, I thought, okay, I want to make sure that the audience understands that I'm talking in a way to two different people. So I, I, added, I asked if I could add um, a certain accent. So I would give each, a lot of times I gave each guy a different accent, which I would, which I would flip into, which, uh, which was fun. And I, I remember Paul Gemignani, he said, yeah, let's go try it. I think you can try it. So he was great. He allowed me to do that and to make that kind of my own way of, of approaching that long, long, long song. <laughs> so the next show I want to ask you about is Thou Shalt Not. And oh. <laughs> yes. Oh, that, that was my second show with Stro, with Strowman. Um, and oh, I remember getting the show, auditioning for the show, and and Harry Connick. That would be my first time working with Harry, and I, I mean, I I didn't know the show was bad. I didn't. I'm, I mean, I don't know if the show was bad or for the timing was just bad. You know, it was right at nine eleven when we were in previews and opening, so. Um, but you know, Stroman creates such a um, great environment. And so you just love, you just love working. You love being in the room. And I remember, I, th I think I've told the story before. I remember I, at that time that I had several Broadway shows under my belt as a performer, right? And, uh, but I had never done a Lincoln Center project. I had never done a Lincoln Center or roundabout, which is a different contract. So these contracts are limited unless Unless, uh, take for example, um, Cabaret, right? Cabaret, when it, you know, that first revival was a roundabout. And so, and because it was such a huge success, it got extended and it moved theaters. So that's what they always hope can do because then it becomes a commercial show and it makes more money and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, they, they, they option that when you sign your contract. And um, I remember when we were in rehearsal some of the more uh, younger actors or green actors who had not done a lot of shows I remember somebody asking me saying how do you know when when will we know that that we're going to be extended you know that will and I said I, I don't know I said I've never worked under this contract and I remember saying I said I would think by the time we open or before we open we'll know if we're going to be extended you know some will you'll get the vibe that oh the show is going to be successful or right after opening <laughs> So I remember Charles, our first preview. We all come out. We I remember Susan uh, staged the vows, you know, ensemble bow, and then uh, I, myself and my guy, my uh, uh, partner um, Brad Bradley, who is my played opposite me. We come out. We take our bow, right? We take a bow, and they're clapping, and then we stand in a certain spot, and then blah blah blah, and then the, finally the lead leads take their bow. Boom! And I remember then we do one more company bow. And I could, you could just feel the audience that it was, you know, it was just, you could feel that they did not love us. And I remember that curtain coming down on our final bow, the curtains coming down. And I remember saying to the, I could see a couple of actors behind me go, start auditioning because we are not extending. <laughs> I knew I was like this, they hate us. 
I had never felt such that in my life as a performer. I, I thought, wow, they hated us. And, and so, no, we didn't get extended, but I still enjoyed doing the show and I still, you have to, because you have to do it and you have to believe in it. Norbert, no, that was, that show kind of put Norbert Leo Butts, he got a Tony nomination on the map. He was phenomenal. He was so great. He was so fun. Again, it's great group of people. Oh, I forget, just, we had so much fun. Oh my God, we were so bad and naughty backstage, just always doing kooky, funny things, especially Dem Monk. Oh, it was just, it was, it was again, a great, lovely, lovely, lovely group of people. Amy Higgins, that was probably my, was that my second? I think my second time working with Amy. Yeah, yeah. So it was just, yeah, again, just great, a great group of actors and performers and, you know, the environment was great. And Harry's, Harry's music, he, Harry did the music. He did all the orchestrations all by himself. You know, it was his first venture into the theater. It was, it was a big undertaking to do that show. And, and at that, that year was a tough year, you know, 2000, I mean, 9-11 uh, was a tough year. So, yeah. So I do want to ask if you can remember any jokes or pranks that you've played backstage or on stage. <laughs> well, Charles, if no one has told you, I am the biggest prankster or one of the biggest, maybe next to Scott Wise, he's probably the biggest prankster. Um, I remember when I was doing Miss Saigon, there's one point that I knew that Jonathan Price had to come off stage quickly and he always took a sip from his water bottle at this point. <laughs> I took his water bottle and squeezed a lemon in it. <laughs> so when he came off stage, he took a drink and he had, it was lemon water. And then I remember after he went back on stage then I, then I guess he had another downtime over the PA system I hear, Joanne Hunter come to my dressing room. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, he did, he, oh my God. I was like, no, I'm not going, I'm not going. He's gonna, he was a great sense of humor about it. Great sense of humor. Oh, all the time. And I remember I used to, um, this was terrible. So when I was doing Guys and Dolls, one of my dearest, dearest friends to this day, John McGinnis, he lived in Queens at the time and he would always like, they would underdress themselves so they could get out of costume and catch the train. So they, you know, they get, and I remember, so when the guys were doing the Crapshooters Ballet, I went up to the men's dressing room and I found his, all his pants. And what I did is I base stitched the leg, his, the opening of his pants, the legs, you know, the, together. I would, I based it, just not both of them, just one leg. And then I took a pair of his socks and stitched the opening that, <laughs> And then the show come down, you know, you'd hear the guys call because they were in the dressing room above us. But and you could I could hear, and then you you could hear, fuck! You could, oh, sorry, I just swore. Joanne Hunter. <laughs> he could not, he could not get in his clothes because I couldn't get his foot in his clothes. Oh my god, it was terrible. Then uh, two things. Then Sergio Trujillo, when he was in the show, he every at that point years ago, I used to love pigs. I thought they were they were good luck. So I love so I would always get little pig gifts, people. And then he had given me this pig stuffed animal that had like sucker, like you could stick it to the, the mirror so it could sit on my mirror. And one day I came in, I was like, where's my pig? And it was gone. And I was like, someone stole my somebody, 
I was like, the clean people, somebody stole my pig, went around. Then I started getting ransom notes saying, if you want to see your pig, you leave some money. And I thought, who's doing this? So, and, the, and, come to find, and then I would get pieces of the pig. They were tearing him apart. I, and I come to find out it was Sergio who, and he bought me a new one, but I'm, oh, was, I was devastated. I was like, who took my pig? So yeah, so they all, they were getting me back for all my pranks that I, and, and um, Ruth, Ruth Mitchell, Ruth, Ruth, oh my God, what's Ruth's last name? She was shit. Anyway, she, I think it was my last show. She put my underwear, my own underwear, my G-string in with the dry ice. So when they, they brought it back, it was frozen, like frozen. <laughs> I couldn't put my underwear on to look at so yeah those are just a few of my terrible or things that happened to me because I was such a I was such a bad person <laughs> so I want to ask you next about what I think was your last show as a performer which was Thoroughly Modern Millie yes it was that was great that was Rob Ashford that was his first Broadway show and uh my first time working uh because Rob was Kathleen's associate on Kiss Me Kate so I had worked with him. I had never worked with him prior to that. And so Millie was the second time I got to work with Rob and, um, and Michael Mayer had never worked with Michael Mayer. And to this day, he's still my friend and I adore him. He was so he funny. That was fun. That show when I, I originally auditioned for that show, uh, um, Rob brought me in. Rob said, I think you should see her too. And originally I was brought in to understudy the lead, to understudy Millie. So I was sent all this material and I was out of town doing um, a West Side Story and I was in California doing a West Side Story there. And uh, so I was, I, they gave me all this material and I flew in on my day off to audition. And I remember auditioning for the show and I thought I was like, I had worked on the material, I had worked on the song and I knew it, but I was so, and I, uh, I had a work session with Michael Mayer. He did a work session with me first. We worked on the script and then the song that I did. I said, no, I don't, I don't need the paper. I don't need it. I, I'm, I'm good. You know, did the scene good. Then I did the song, put the song down, went up. Like I was like, and I, I just, I was like, and I said, Excuse, I'm going to swear. Sorry. But I said, fuck me. Oh, and then I was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Oh, suck. And then I couldn't stop. And they were, I was like, oh my God, I couldn't stop. I was like, so yeah, I'm so sorry. They're like, don't worry about it. I said, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm so sorry. Oh no. Okay. I started again. Went up again. And again, fuck me, suck me. Suck. Oh, I kept swearing, couldn't stop. So then I got the paper. Finally had the paper. Then sang it. Boom. Finished it. Left. I was mortified, yeah. And the next day, I had to get back on a plane to go back to California, and I get a call from Rob. Uh, I said, "Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I messed up." He said, "No," and he goes, "They loved you." He said, "They're not going to give you the understudy to Millie, but they want to give you the understudy to Bun Fu and Dick Scanlon, who's the writer." He said, "Just he was writing you a part." So they wrote this part of Gloria, just, you know, had a little feature, but, but based on my personality, that's what I was told. So I, I thought, are you kidding? So that was, it was great. And then, you know, I, I remember just, and, and I was um, going through a, a, a hard personal time in my life at that point. So having that show was a, a gift beyond gifts, not just the regular gift, but, but a gift to keep me distracted, you know, and um, I, I love working with Michael. He was, he's funny oh my god he used to crack me up he's so funny 
so kooky. And Rob is Rob is great. Rob again is very much like in, you know from the world where we come in and you, he had he had a game plan, you know, and it was it was great. And I, I had worked with I'm working with people that I had not worked some I had not worked with before, so that was fun to meet new people, especially at that point in my career. And then of course there were some old players that I had worked with, so it was it was it was a great experience, you know. And and from there I remember I was not the dance captain, and then about not not long after we opened rob our original dance captain uh wanted to step down because he was going through things and um so rob asked me if i would dance captain i thought oh i didn't i didn't want to because i was like i, I had a lot of my plate and i said can i think about it and i took a day and i said you know what and i thought i talked myself i to myself i said you know what, joanne it's time to move on let's yes you can do it so i said yes and so i ended up setting the tour with him and we set um the the west end production together so it was actually it was a great thing that i got to do and so that's when i started to um become rob's associate for a couple of shows yes yeah so it was great it was a great it was a great last last show to do and i didn't i don't it wasn't i didn't think it was going to be my last show i still don't know if i'll perform again i'm not going to ever say i won't but um, I knew after that show, Charles, that I knew I wanted to take a break from doing another Broadway show. I know that sounds so uppity of me, but it's not, not, I didn't want to do another long running show. I thought, you know, I had been so fortunate in my life to do Broadway show after Broadway show. Very, but you know, when you work on Broadway, you get two weeks off a year and you work six days a week. It's a lot and you don't, there's not a lot. So I thought, you know what? I want to, I want to, I, so I wanted to, I started auditioning for regional stuff. Like I remember, I think I got a call from Kathleen to take over for what was, there was a show happening at the Martin Beck or the, um, with, with Brooke Shields in it. Is that right? She take over, um, high, high, high anxiety, high, high, high fidelity, high, not high fidelity. Shoot, I can't remember. And I remember getting a call to take over, and I was like, I, I, I turned it down because I thought I don't want. I, I just I don't want to do a Broadway show right now. I so I, I decided I was going to audition for regional, you know, stuff just because that because I would do. You could work, and then you have some downtime. And luckily, I was, I, I, I had, I, I was doing well with my money. I was able. I had money in the savings. I had investment. So I, you know, I thought I, I, I had the luxury, I should say, to be able to not have to take another show if I didn't want to. So, um, and little did I know that that was gonna lead me into working on this side of the table of creating more. I didn't, uh, I didn't know that's what was gonna happen, but that's basically how it, how it started to happen that I started to flip my trajectory of what I, I could see in my future. And um, yeah, but I, I don't say, people ask me all the time, are you gonna, will you, have you stopped performing for good? I was like, um, I'm not gonna say for good. I said, if the right thing happens and if I'm right for it, yeah, maybe, you know, but, but never say never, never say never. So I that is where I ended part one of my interview with the great Joanne M. Hunter. Make sure to tune back in next time for part two. Thanks for listening.